Anyway, whatever. We, right. we don't want to give up the ghost, right? No. Um, all right, all right. Shut up. Welcome to Jeremy's Iron. It's a, a scientific podcast exploring the bullshit of the wellness industry. And it's a conversation between a doctor and a statistician with me, Justin Anthony. <laughs> and me, Justin Daniel. <laughs> I'm glad we have someone who can join us in our anagram game. We take proper names and rearrange the letters to form a description of that person. Like, uh, Alec Guinness. So, uh, today we're going to deal with the, well, we're going to talk about turmeric. T- turmeric or turmeric? Uh, I have an issue with this R. word. Wait, is the, this like Wednesday, right? It's, there's a, there's a, it's, a, it's T-U-R-M-E-R-I-C, right? Yeah, so it should be turmeric. Yeah. But people say turmeric, right? Yeah, it's a Wednesday phenomenon. <laughs> Good. Or a February. Uh, uh-huh. Actually, more like February, because we're, we're dropping the R. So, we're looking at turmeric. <laughs> Uh, the reason being, Turmeric. well, first of all, um, I saw an article. It was on the Food Revolution Network because yeah. I'm a subscriber, obviously. It uh, says 600 reasons turmeric might be the world's most important herb. 600 reasons. That's compelling. <laughs> the numbers are high. Do you, remember, do you remember like fashion mags back in like the 90s and stuff that always no. used to say? No, no. But remember how on the front of the cut, co- you, you didn't have to read it. But on the front cover, it would always say things like, you know, 350 new looks or, you know, 865 new summer accessories. And they have these numbers blazoned on the Hair front. bands. Yeah, well, stuff <laughs> sure. like that. Yeah. 600 is such a ridiculous, a ridiculous claim. Uh, yeah. It sparked, so look, our, sparked our interest. Yeah, well, it does. And I actually will make a compelling argument later on that um, that's exactly the reason why you should walk away from the whole thing. But um, we'll get into it. We got, I think we've got a lot to talk about with this one. I'm pretty excited. Um, this one I thought was going to be a bit of a sleeper initially, and I got pretty jazzed. Well, we got, well, this is something that I'm not sure you know, but, uh, over the last week or two, I've been taking curcumin tablets, curcumin being, oh, yeah, which is the active, supposedly the active ingredient in that's turmeric. Right. So, so don't, don't worry. I'm putting myself in the firing oh, good. line I didn't for the, right the podcast. Good. Oh, <laughs> you, you kept that from me. You I did. devil. It's for our, our new segment, which you don't know about, called <laughs> N equals one. Right on. I like it. Uh, where I subject myself to... Crazy, the, yeah, untested. <laughs> crazy, untested theories developed by the wellness industry. So I am although jack I make, full of curcumin right now. Although, as we will find out, uh, this is actually highly tested <laughs> what you've Shh. done. Shh. Look at my skin. Yeah, yellower than normal, right? It is, yeah, yeah. It's your your usual healthy jaundice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my thalassemia. Yeah. yeah. It's just, we're working overtime. It is. Um, but first, how do you feel about us getting into a little uh, little idle chit-chat about something that's been kind of grinding my goat? I'd like that. I'd okay. like to hear what's grinding your goat. Okay. It's it's small. It's not a big deal. It's not really like... It's not aping me. Um now, listeners, frequent listeners of the show will know that I've just come out of a black hole of study um, for the last few weeks, and, uh, and I just had a pretty heavy set of exams, and 
you know, they can leave you feeling pretty low about yourself sometimes. You know, you can you can feel like a pretty smart guy walking in with all this great information, and you can kind of be left on the floor afterwards, and you get kind of uh, get served in one of these heavy medical exams. Mm. But there's one thing that makes me feel even worse. One thing can rock my self-esteem and my intelligence and my uh, my, my sense of self far more than even the heaviest of exams. Hit me. Ready? Those online um, prove you're not a robot. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah, the one we had to Nine like squares. Click the, click the straight signs. It's always street signs or yeah. like cyclists. Um, and... It, it comes up, right? You're logged into who knows what you're logging into. Yeah. They flash up the nine pictures. Your first thought is, man, what an inconvenience. What a, another barricade between me and my emails or my, my data, right? Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, simple, a simple challenge like pick the street signs <laughs> turns into like a 20-minute, <laughs> like you get it wrong all the time. I'm wondering, do I not know what street signs are? <laughs> Like, it could really leave you feeling like you can't even accomplish the simplest of tasks. I wonder sometimes if I am a robot. <laughs> like, imagine that's how you found out. I, I have, see, I have an, another it's issue. It's a Blade Runner thing, right? It is a Blade Runner thing. I have a separate issue, which is like, how dumb are robots that they can't just click the box? You know the one that says just like click this box to prove you're not a robot. I'm like sometimes it's there's no no pictures, right? It's just the it's a box. Just a click. Just tick here. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, Wait a minute! What robot is getting that one wrong? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so I think that too. So that's the first thing I think of, and then I get handed those nine little squares at grid, and I'm amazed how often I get it wrong. So the question is: number one, am I getting it wrong? Number two, is this a ploy to get me to fill out more of these little boxes? Because I told you my theory about what this is all about, right? Yeah. No. What? What do you mean? So the reason why these are you a robot things. Um, exist and why it's always like street views and why it's always like pick the crosswalk, pick the street sign, pick mm-hmm. the shop front. Um, it's a way of teaching self-driving car algorithms how to identify major obstacles in the roads. So it's okay. part of a machine learning um, So is this, a, is this a known thing? Like are you pulling I this out your ass? Think or I, like- I think I heard it somewhere. And it makes perfect sense, right? This is Jeremy's line where we think we heard it somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Discussion well, topics. A, yeah, yeah, we're meant to be all about like evidence, right? That's right. This is, I heard this somewhere <laughs> and it's sort of been brewing with me. But I think that's what it's about. It's about they're trying to teach the cars how to identify things. And the way to do that, right, is to get like huge, um, huge data points uh, where they teach them how to recognize crosswalks, people, shop fronts, right. signs. So they, so they can learn what they are. And then the machine learning algorithms take over. When they start to have enough data points, they can start to teach themselves. And then what they're doing is ultimately probably doing it before we do it and then cross-referencing their predictions against what we are identifying. Say right? that again? The, the- so you get, the nine, you get the nine pictures come up. Yeah. They're probably going to be like pre-validating the answers. So yeah, it'll make a prediction about which ones it thinks based on its algorithm are going to be cyclists or whatever. And then you answer the questions and you're basically testing it. And it's going to be finding out whether or not its algorithm is tight enough or not. And then it'll be modifying its algorithm based on what you've taught it. Um, So the humans are teaching the robots. So the irony is the whole thing is there ostensibly to make sure you're not a robot, but what you're doing in the process is teaching the robots to be more human. (laughs) 
god. So you're teaching the robots to pass the test. This is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it's nuts. So um so it really bums me out when I fail that. <laughs> so that's been that's been getting me. That's been getting me. Um I just forget my fucking passwords all the time. How, oh, how do you too. what's what's the solution to that one? Same password. No, I have different passwords for all of my things. Oh no, I that's a solution. Have the same password. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what they tell you to do. Have the same password for, for all everything. Of, yeah. <laughs> for your whole life. Uh nothing Jeremy Zion recommends keeping the, keeping the same password, dummy. Don't one password to rule them all. <laughs> You'll forget them otherwise. Yeah. Write it down. Write <laughs> down your passwords. And put them all in your email. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A searchable database. That's it. <laughs> Which is only accessible with that password. <laughs> mm. um, on, on the same vein, have you tried, have you got like old social media like MySpace that you've tr- been trying to get into or, or have a password? That um, I don't have MySpace. I have a few old email accounts that I'm always forgetting the... The worst well, for me, the- actually, the worst for me is I've... Being a doctor, we are members of multiple like colleges and boards, and like you know, you've got like a login, things that you didn't elect to be part of, mm. right? Like they're not your email account which you actively saw. These are like sort of part of the job. You have to have like a membership at the board of you know the doctor medical board. You have to have one for your insurer. You have to have one for the surgical college, one for your specific uh, specialty college. All these kinds of things, right? Each of them are independent organizations, and each of them have their own password. The password that they gave you, typically, right? Some random sequence of numbers and whatever else. And over the last, like, 10 years, I've got, like, a whole host of these. And every, like, once or twice a year, you have to re-log in to, like, renew something or to check something. Infrequently enough, that's not a part of your life and never worthwhile you, like, changing the password to your standard password thing. And so every six months, one of these things comes up, a renewal. And I've got to, like, do the whole... um, Every single time it's a forgot your password. I just have to get a new password every single yeah. time. It's terrible. And it's like, I clearly see the writing on the wall that I just need to change the password to my standard password, but I just don't have that kind of ability. <laughs> I can't do it. I feel like this is something we can overcome as a, as a people, the password situation. I think that's what we're doing, right? With, with facial recognition and totally. all that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah. This, this is something we'll have to be telling our grandkids that we, we, had, we had these like combinations of letters and at least one number that we needed like all these different yeah uh but then all we we'll need to hack in is like a photo of someone right yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. like you steal someone's driver's license and you can access everything <laughs> just hold the license up to the phone well it's funny in. like I'm, I'm not sure if this is the same with uh all of the uh, older older people i don't want to say yeah. old people but older people somehow lightens the load a little bit um but my mom has like a uh, a book where she keeps all of her passwords and she like writes down my mate last <laughs> night had to log into something and he said the same thing he said i'm so old now i have a a word oh. document with all his passwords on it yeah and i was like it's pretty smart now see i got a system Seems so easy i got a system where i have a, i have a stem and i change the last little bit depending the on stem, the website yeah okay cool so i've heard people do that right so you make a password mm-hmm. that is functionally or semantically related to the use that's correct. So your, so your I Gmail have, account might have be like GM. It's then a standard number you always use or something like that, right? Yeah, it is. So I've yeah. got, I've, it, my very uh, my initial university email gave me a whole lot of letters and numbers, which yeah. I just remembered because I used it so much. Yeah. So I used that same stem, and then I just I've changed a few little things either at the front or the back, depending on yeah. the um, the website. Yeah. Right. A, yeah. 
Unbreakable system. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty it's good. Except except when I change the system and I've forgotten which I've forgotten which websites have the old system and which have the new system. So but here's it. a question, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, so it's a little bit more secure than using one password for everything. Yeah, I think it's a whole lot more secure, right? It's much more secure, yes. Yeah. I have no questions. <laughs> no further questions, Your Honor. <laughs> okay, it's great. Now, should we get into our main event? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So, now, Justin, when did you last have a... Can you call a, me Justin A? Because I want to call you Justin B. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Justin okay. A. Yep. Um, when did you last have a turmeric latte? Because I'm sure, I know I've seen you have a turmeric latte. Look, I... Or something. You've had, I've seen you have a turmeric tea or a drink at some point. I know I have. I'd like to say I'm not your typical inner West Sydneyite. Uh, but fuck, I've had a few turmeric lattes I'm in sure my time. I'm sure you have. Yeah. Okay. And what, when, when they don't have dandelion, I'm one of the turmerics. Yeah. And what made you, besides obviously the, the caffeine-free uh, sort Experience. of angle, mm. what was the reason for the turmeric? What made you go for that? Um, well, I had heard based on... Um, actually, it was my old flatmate from four, three or four years ago uh, who was Pakistani and mm-hmm. he, well, he is Pakistani. Still is? <laughs> Still is. Okay. And he always, his mother always used to give him turmeric and yeah. milk uh-huh. before he would go to bed. Oh, that was the tonic also for a whole whole raft of any kind of um, illnesses. It was like, have a bit of turmeric and you'll kind of be right. Old wives, old wives solution kind of thing, right? God, uh, it feels like child abuse in hindsight, doesn't it? Turmeric? <laughs> no, I, just like, I feel one, like there are worse, having worse a single solution for everything. <laughs> yeah. you, you may as well just say he ignored every problem I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In hindsight. That sounds like gross negligence to <laughs> Dad's me. beating me. Yeah, give it no, no. <laughs> Absolute <Okay>. turmeric. Um, <laughs> Get over it. So, no. like, uh, So, I, I had heard that turmeric yeah. had these anti-inflammatory pro- sure. properties. And full disclosure... Uh, I do have, I deal with a lot of inflammation. I have these like strange, like my left foot puffs up. I have this, I have uveitis that happens in my eye mm-hmm. and my, my wrists become really quite um, puffy. You, got, you got the trifecta. There's something going on. So I'm, I'm yeah. open to trying different things that um, allegedly will mitigate any you inflammation. Are, you are uh, panacea curious. I am panacea. Yeah, I'm, oh, that's right. I'm yeah. panacea. I'm pan curious. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... Uh, yeah, so I, I would try the turmeric every so often, uh-huh. and I thought well, maybe if it's doing good for me, it's doing good for me. I don't think it's doing bad for me, is it? That's a big point, though, right? The idea of something being good for you versus something not being bad for you. We kind of covered that last time, right? Yeah, like just because it's not the best for you doesn't mean it's bad for you. It's mm. fine, right? Mm. No, turmeric is a wonderful spice. Mm. You know, it's a key component of a lot of uh, what Indian and Chinese cuisine. <laughs> yeah, well that's right. It's that's great. Like it's let's not forget this. It's not a medicine uh. intrinsically. It's just spice. Now, I I, didn't, fine. I can't say I I felt any direct effects of it. Um but uh, I'll unleash my n equals 1 myself okay. Uh, okay. experimentation with curcumin that the purified 
active ingredient. ingredient, the true um, turmeric. But we're gonna we're gonna before we do all that stuff, we're gonna actually unleash a bit of the um, scientific literature to see what yeah. what is uh, the principles at play and whether it is in fact effective. But uh, we are in fact talking about the curcumin, curcumin, right? That's curcumin, the active yeah. ingredient of turmeric. Are we gonna not pronounce that first R in curcumin as well, like we don't in turmeric? Curcumin. Cu- cu- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that the, the is that the yeah. game you play with when you, when you enter when you tango with turmeric? Yeah. Curcumin. <laughs> Not that I want to tangentialize any further, but there's a street in uh, Newtown, well, actually Camperdown, that's yeah. Carolyn Street, Carolyn Street, and people call it Carillion. Yeah, I know Carillion Avenue. No, it is Carolyn Avenue, my friend. There Says is no who? I. There's no I in it. No. C A R. There's no I at the end. There's no. It's not. It's C A R I L L O N. Yeah, it's Carolyn. Yeah, but people, yeah, you're right, Carolyn. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, whatever. Um. So, yeah, so my first experience of turmeric mm-hmm. was not ingesting turmeric, but seeing, like, old ladies hawk it at little stalls in, like, uh, shopping malls. Mm-hmm. So, my initial impression of this whole thing was the, that... The actual, the actual root or the No, powder? like, like, um, like, commercial powder in, like, a... In like bottles, right? <laughs> okay, like, you said you commercial. Know, like, thinking... You know, with signs saying, like, it fixes everything. Like, so, you know, you got the signs with, like, 60 ailments that turmeric is going to fix for you and you have these like blue rinse old ladies hawking it and you're instantly put offside yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. why isn't this in a, in a chemist or anywhere else if it's any good <laughs> what do these old ladies know and why is this being sold and like in the walkway in a mall <laughs> <laughs> so i walked in this pretty skeptical you obviously walked into this uh, maybe more open-minded than me Oh, willing to, willing to give it a go. No, sure. but, uh, no, I, I was definitely research. I mean, before we started researching. Yeah. Uh, so when we had we had this idea a few weeks ago um, to talk about this, I think it was your idea hmm. to discuss it. What was your initial? What was your gut feeling about it? Was it? Oh, I I always enter these things thinking that it's bullshit. Okay. I mean, that's my natural inclinations. Sure. Yeah, but um, yeah. So why, why don't you tell us a bit about the? Um, should we get into the research at this point? I feel like that's probably quite useful. Yeah, I think so. Well, look. What we know about turmeric is that, yeah, it's a spice, and it may it plays a pretty heavy role in Eastern medicine for hundreds of years with all kinds of crazy claims. Well, sorry. I won't say crazy. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I shouldn't prejudice the We don't have uh, like a Western bias here on this. Yeah, massively. Yeah. Um, but as viewers will know, I am hugely biased against Eastern medicine. <laughs> anyway, I think it's, I think it's retarded. Um, but, yeah, so it's been used for, you know, cancers and... Oh, I think cancer is one of the big ones. And diabetes, I think, is one of the big ones. Historically, it's been um, kind of mm. touted to cure. But that's sort of um, snowballed over the last few decades. To basically include any single possible problem you could have, um, you could find some evidence or some people claim that turmeric is possibly the cure for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you said you found something. 600... No, this is on ailments. the... Fo- on, okay, yeah. So this is at the food... What is it called? Food Revolution Network. Yeah. Um, 600 Reasons Turmeric Might Be the World's Most Important Herb. And I've got a couple of choice quotes that I've nabbed from the website. Uh-huh. Um, it says, What's so amazing is not that turmeric may have value in dozens of health conditions. They've downplayed that there. I think they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're rounding off a little. Uh, dozens of health conditions simultaneously. Or that it may improve conditions that are completely resistant to conventional treatment. But that, that, but that there are over 600 additional health conditions it may also be valuable in preventing and or treating 
That's amazing. I'm sold. <laughs> you know what? We don't need to talk any more about this. We're done. So basically, it lists a whole bunch of stuff like oxid. Says oxidative stress. Yeah. You know so that? yeah, so that's a really big point, right? In fact, that's maybe the biggest thing. Oxidative stress. Yeah. Oh, I don't even know what that is, but inflammation, prostate cancer, irritable bowel. Um, and it says cancers colon all, mm-hmm. which to me was like okay, fair enough. Uh, gingivitis and dental plaque as well. Combine that with our flossing episode That's from right. last week. Floss. Turmeric. Turmeric. Better sexual health. Exactly. Right? Um, well, here's the thing, right? So, oxidative stress, I th- from what I read, is, seems to be the major supposed pathway by which turmeric 600 works. benefits. 600 benefits, transpire. right? And so, oxidative stress, people talk about um, oxygen-free radicals. You've heard of free radicals? Mm-hmm. You've maybe heard of... Huh? The band. <laughs> That's new radicals. Damn it. <laughs> I would rather... Ooh, a tough one. I'm not a big fan of new radicals. Which one would I rather have? Free radicals or new radicals? <laughs> I think... I would rather have free radicals. <laughs> so free radicals... That song was a jam though. Oh my God. That was... Uh, never liked that song. I, okay. It's always I know I'm not me offside. To, I'm not meant to, but I really like that song. Did you always like it? Or I did. No, I did. And I, I, always kept it, I always kept it like under wraps. But I just when he like... starts counting the beginning, he's like, one, two. I hate, oh, the, I hate the video. I'm punching. I'm punching I the hated the thing. video and I hated at the end when he sort of like uh, starts dissing all these established rap. Or, uh, sorry, established acts. Marilyn Manson and Courtney Love and Beck. He just starts, you know, starts fronting. I don't remember that bit. Oh, that, well, that's like... Oh, Pump you offside massively. Like, who, who are you? Okay, right. Anyway, um, so free radicals mm-hmm. um, are uh, basically reactive oxygen. So oxygen, we all know oxygen is O2, right, in the atmosphere. Oxygen in your body can get broken down into two oxygen molecules. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they've been split, those two oxygen molecules are really looking for, um, uh, they're looking for any other molecule they can react with, bond to, right? They're kind of hungry to... Um, form a compound or start to react with something. Mm-hmm. They're very reactive, which means that they have a tendency to actually, they're sort of one of the major pathways to cause like DNA damage. They start to cause these reactions and they sort of break down um, cells and DNA and things like that, right? So people have um, antioxidants. The idea is antioxidants, which are real things, mm. um, they help to kind of mop those up, right? So they kind of um, preferentially, I think, react with those highly reactive species in your body and they kind of neutralize them and they kind of get them out of your system. Yep. So that's what, that's the whole principle behind antioxidants, behind free radicals, um, reactive oxygen, uh, oxygen species and oxidative stress. So oxidative stress is the, the effect of all these free radicals in your body. Interesting. Right. And that is not like a crazy quack thing. Free radicals exist and they do cause damage, right? Um, and, and, it, and that's probably why they can. And it's, but it's a part of being alive, right? It's part of metabolism. We have, um, we make free radicals. They just, they're part of, and we have our own native natural chemicals and things that help mop those up. But certainly things you eat and do can increase the availability of those things. And you can help kind of mop those up and, and kind of clear some of those out a little bit. Um, so that's definitely, there's science there. That's a real thing. Um, and so when they've done lab tests, they can take, um, turmeric extract, Mm -hmm. put into a Petri dish in various scenarios. Sorry. Curcumin? Curcumin. We'll call it curcumin from now on. Well, it's important, the distinction, because as we'll find out, um, curcumin is only a a very small percentage of what's in 
plant turmeric. Good point. Good so, point. So we'll, we'll keep it with curcumin sure. being the active ingredient. Yeah, all my research was about curcumin. Yeah, well, there's... I don't so want to do the big reveal now. But. Okay, okay. So anyway, so a lot of the research mm-hmm. is what we call in vitro research, um, lab bench <clears throat> research, right, where you're taking these chemicals and you're putting your life, you're looking at them under a microscope or you're running tests on the chemical itself to see what's in it or you're putting those chemicals in with cells or whatever else in a, in a, in a dish and seeing what happens, right? Yep. Um, and so this is kind of like preclinical research, right? Which means that it's not being used in people yet or it's not being used for therapy. You're just kind of looking at it and trying to investigate whether this can do something. And so a lot of the research is, is this in vitro research, which shows that curcumin can reduce free radicals. Um, curcumin can reduce uh, certain tumor signals and all kinds of things, right? It can inhibit growth of certain bad things in the right concentrations. And then, so people get very excited and they start to kind of, you know. Well, I might interject with a few of the actual um, papers that are found where they were, where they found exactly those results in right. rats. Yeah. Because in particular, they started doing some um, testing on rats. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two papers that I've highlighted here. One says curcumin, atten- this is the name of the paper. Yeah. Uh, curcumin attenuates testicular injury in rats with induced diabetes. Wordy. <laughs> Somewhat. Curcumin induces um, apopto- apoptosis. Yeah. So apoptosis, right, is, um, is what we call programmed cell death, right? So that's when the cell sort of commits suicide. The cell just yep. goes. So, oh, so that's a good... Uh, all right. So it induces apoptosis. Well, it's a good thing in breast cancer cells. Yeah. So it's a good thing in bad cells. It's a bad thing in good cells. So this, this particular paper says that it, curcumin induces apoptosis in breast cancer cells mm-hmm. and inhibits tumor growth in vitro and in vivo as well. So not only is it attacking the cancer cells, but it's stopping them growing as well. So it's like a two for one deal, right? Prevention and and cure, right? Mm -hmm. Interesting. And that's in, so that was initially in rats. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to read some of the, yeah, yeah. So our results showed that curcumin exhibited anti-tumor effects in breast cancer cells with an induction of apoptosis. Um, And so then they obviously started studying the effects in humans mm-hmm. and um, indeed they in the mid 2000s there seemed to be a potential curative effect on cancer cells 2007 in the journal of clinical oncology dylan d-h-i-l-l-o-n et al has curcumin and pa- pancreatic cancer phase two clinical trial experience uh-huh and they conclude that oral curcumin is well tolerated and despite its limited absorption has biologic activity in patients with pancreatic cancer so it translates it seems to the human world right well so this is one of the major issues right and so from my reading and just from not just turmeric or curcumin research um there's a huge problem we have which is um translating what we call this preclinical research so your your um your cell in vitro studies so your uh, petri dish studies um mice and rats and trying to extrapolate that to humans. Okay. It rarely works. The number of times we find... So in, in vitro, petri dish, in vivo, humans. Humans, yeah. So, so, so hold on. What would you, where would rats fall in that? Is that in vitro as well? Uh, no, we, we still call that preclinical. I don't think we'd call that in vivo. Right. I mean, it's technically, I guess, in vivo because it's an animal. It's alive, but it's not really the intention of... Okay. Yeah. Right? Uh, fair enough. So um, what we know is that... So yeah, so the worst... 
is obviously like the in vitro test because those couple cells you have in that dish are not part of the, the greater system of all the other hormones and chemicals in your body. Um, the concentrations you're using might be completely out of whack with what's actually possible in the human body because you can just put in as much of a drug as you want. That's right. Um, okay. You can just totally overwhelm the system, right? Um, and you also only have a certain number of cells. So it might look really good for that one cell population. You can say, it works, it's great, it killed those cells. But you don't know if it would have killed good cells that have, don't happen to be in that dish, right? Right. You can put bleach on it. I'm sure the uh, totally right, yeah. and you can just it says works great. <laughs> Got rid of it all. <laughs> um, but you don't know what that would do to everything else because you're studying this in a totally in isolation, and you're also that chemical you're putting in. So let's say it's curcumin. When it goes into every chemical you put in your body, right? Your body breaks it down, it has to eliminate that that mm. if you've ingested, right? Everything it has to kind of leave at some point, and it can only exert its activity while it's in its native state, typically, um, before it's broken down. Now, sometimes it gets broken down into something that has its other effects. So sometimes the actual drug that has the effect is the broken down version of what you've taken, right? So you take it in one form, it gets broken down into something else, and that broken down form is actually what your body can process and use. So, And that that's not testable in vitro? Um, you'd have to pre-break it down, okay, right? If you knew what you're looking for. Um, because all the hormones and enzymes that would cleave and sort of start to break down these chemicals, they may not be in your little petri dish because you're it's only a, looking yeah, at a right. tiny cross-section of where the human body is. Hmm. So they're usually like, just a very basic way of looking at safety, uh, concentration, like what kind of doses are useful. They're not super useful for telling you this is going to work for anything. They're usually what we call like, they're like screening procedures, right? To even to let you know if you even need to go any further with this at all. Like if you put something in there, it doesn't do anything at all. You just walk away, right? Yeah. Um, but you can sort of sort of use as a litmus test of whether or not maybe maybe there's something to this and where we should go any further, right? And then you might use animals to make sure it's safe more than anything. So with animals, the yeah, probably the biggest use is working out safety for drugs. Not so much effect um, because animals, even though we share like you know, was it like 99 or was there a DNA with mice? Some of the differences are actually orange. still pretty big, mm. right? Like, yeah, we all have the same organs. We have largely the same hormones and chemicals and we're made up the same way. But in particular, the way we handle inflammation, um, and inflammation is the way we kind of process a lot of disease. Um, we actually are very, very different. And mice, for example, have a much simpler sort of inflammation, we call it cascade. That's the way the, the mouse sort of um, deals with inflammation um, and lots of disease processes is a really quite simple compared to humans. We have a whole lot more going on. Um, and so the number of times that something works in an animal versus how often it works in humans is really, it's like a few percent of the time. Well, it seems that a lot of these papers have a, a similar refrain around uh, the absorption. Yes, and that's the other issue, right? The absorption of curcumin. So, so this particular paper from 2016, um, which is a review, it's actually a um, review of curcumin uh, as a candidate for melanoma mm -hmm. therapy. Um, it says, nevertheless, utilization of curcumin is associated with some limitations, such as rapid metabolism, low oral absorption, and rapid elimination from the body, which to me sounds like that's a that's a human-specific experience of getting the curcumin in and yeah. it not being processed inside the body. Yeah, of so everything, every drug that you take, right? Definitely every, any sort of chemical um, that you would ingest has what we call a half-life. Um, yeah. Usually, that's sort of a term that comes from radiation, 
right? So it's like um, how long it takes something to degrade from that's a maximum power when you find it to half of that power. Mm. So you take a drug, you take Panadol, right? Um, the half-life would be how long it takes your body to take that dose of drug and make it half as effective. Okay. Right? And usually it's only effective in that first sort of half or so, right? Uh, can I ask a mathematical question yes. on the back, back of that? Does that imply that the drug's in you forever and at some concentration? Some sort of asymptotic dose, That's right? right? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, eventually it all goes because you all go anyway. But yeah, but in that the idea of you have a half-life, if you keep on having something, you'll never actually get to zero, right? That's my point. That's your point. I understand. I'm with you. Hey, look, there are kids sitting there at HSC that are on my... Uh... Yeah, on my it's team important. here. Yeah, yeah they, they, limits. They're, they're with you. Yep. Asymptotes, right? Mm-hmm. Asymptotes. Um, when you make an assumption yep. <laughs> about elimination, mm-hmm. you make an asymptote <laughs> of you <laughs> and me. That is that should be on the double helix ruler. I reckon that's great. Yeah. So, so that's a major issue, right? So that's a major barrier. So one of the things I saw. So I did. I was doing my research, right? And then like, yeah, there's tons of things where. It, it affects chem, like what's called um, diabetes. It can have an effect on cancer cells. Mm-hmm. It has effect. All these like lab tests. It seems to have some measurable effect at usually at a high dose. But then the problem, as they say, is that we can't actually achieve this high dose in humans. Um, and yeah, and that's a pretty big problem, right? Because well, anything they, they given all... in a high enough dose mm. might have some effect. It's, they seem to be very kind of warm towards the idea of curcumin being part of a general sort of cancer therapy. Mm. Um, some people the say as, some people say that it can it can sort of enhance the actions of actual cancer drugs. That's right. It can I, sort of I, prime I... the cells to be more receptive to drugs. So that's definitely a thing we know about in medicine, where one drug can actually kind of work in synergy with another drug. So that's that's a that's a thing. Paclitaxel? P- P- sure. Paclitaxel? Paclit... Whatever you want. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, I, I, I've just noticed that there there's uh, research where that particular drug and curcumin seem to have right. interactive effects. So, so yeah. So, like, yeah, there's a lot of research. And, look, I walked in this being pretty cold. And then after doing a bit of a quick Google Scholar check, there seemed to be a lot of things that had some hint of uh, maybe function mm. that maybe merits more research. And so I was kind of warming on the idea, or at least uncooling <laughs> on the idea, right? Um, but then I found a really good article um, written, I think it was only two years ago. And I'll double check the source. It was in the journal. Where was it here? It's in the journal. We'll of, get Rusty to do it. Rusty? <laughs> Our producer, Rusty. The Journal of Medicinal Chemistry. Yep. Never heard of it. Um, but it's important to mention that one of the ways that we look into how good research is, and we talked about it a bit last time in terms of how you conduct your research, right? There's a lot of ways to work out if, if this is reliable. Just because it's research doesn't mean it's good research. Um, and one of the ways we do it now, one of these sort of the heuristics is to look at what journal it was published in. Um, generally, better journals, and there's numbers to kind of identify how good a journal is based on how reputable it is. Um, we'll have better papers, more scientifically rigorous papers. There's a lot more unknown papers that'll publish almost anything, right? Um, they'll just take it. So it's really important to look at who actually published it. And sometimes if there's a drug company behind it, or in this case, if there's like, you know, the Turmeric Farmers of America sponsoring the research, totally biasing your results. Well, here we go. Because I'm glad you brought this up because right at the beginning when I mentioned... Bias. 
Well, no. Right at the beginning, when I mentioned those those um, food websites saying yeah. 600 benefits of turmeric, yeah. the one thing they tend to say is there's a reason why we, we're not being told about this and that's because you can't patent a veg- you can't patent a root vegetable or whatever it is, right? Yeah. You can't patent a what yeah. do you call it? It's like you can't patent a, a vegetable, basically, right? Yeah. So it's a financial reason why we're not getting the true benefits Common. of this drug, right? Yeah, sure. And I almost have some sympathy for that, that kind of line of thinking, right? Like, oh, even it's very, though- it's very, um, it's very sympathetic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think. But at the same time, there's this uh, distrust of the pharmaceutical industry, which is totally fair because, yeah, they are incentivized by profits, right? And that's the reason why we're seeing less antibiotics being made. Because and there'd be less research into it as well because research totally. often is funded from, a pharma- from the pharmaceutical industry, right? So uh, antibiotics are a great example right now of what's going on. So 40 years ago, so let's say people say it takes about a billion dollars to make a drug, to bring a drug to market. That's kind of the old number that we used to use, right? From right. beginning to end, through all the studies... About a billion dollars once you get through all of the hoops and everything else. Um, and it used to be that essentially the if you made an antibiotic, for example, everyone needs antibiotics, really good drug to have. But you would be essentially limited only by the patent on that drug in terms of how much money you can make off it. These days, with all the resistance to antibiotics that's going around, your profits are limited no longer by your patent on the antibiotic, but they're limited on how long it's actually going to work. It used to be that it was essentially seemingly infinite the amount of time that your antibiotic would actually be useful for. Mm. You may only get five years out of one now before the bugs just aren't digging anymore. So you're putting a billion dollars for massively diminishing returns. Um, so the incentive is not there for them to actually be researching new antibiotics because they're a business. Um, but at the same time, people have these, these suspicions about like uh, some other drugs, so like cancer drugs, right? There's a huge suspicion about cancer drugs because, yeah, they seem super nasty. They make you sick. Um, they're heavy duty. They're basically poisons, right? And everyone's like, why would you put a poison in your body? It's awful. <laughs> and they're charging for this, right? They're, they're making money hand over fist for these cancer drugs. Yeah. Um, and why? And the only reason is because, they, yeah, they can't patent turmeric. And they won't give you the turmeric, which is just as good. Um it's just totally crazy, right? Of course. Because, I mean, we can do a simple kind of reduction of that. and um, Simple turmeric possible, reduction? I think of all the side effects of, yeah, a little simple turmeric uh, jus. It's starting to sound good, yeah. Um, you look, think of all the side effects what chemotherapy has, right? All the nausea and the hair loss and all that kind of stuff, right? If there was a way to not have that, drug companies would absolutely find some way of making turmeric work to their benefit and making money off it, right? Um, rather than just copying all those shitty side effects. There's just no way they would just rest on their laurels with that. Think about it. There's not one company. There's tons of companies making all these drugs, right? If one of them had like a leg up on you're the You're just others, a pharma drone, man. You're just, you're I just am. telling me the um, you know what I want to hear. I am. I am. And we'll get into this again more about like the difference between something working and something not being dangerous, <laughs> right? True, yeah. um, so where were we? We're talking about doses, availability. Um, so some of these, all these little Petri dish studies, mm. they put the curcumin in there and find that it kills cancer cells at a dose of whatever that dose is. And then they say, well, we can't, so far we can't really achieve that dose. Now, we talked about half-lives and how long a drug can last in your body and really... 
the ability for a drug to be like useful to you is totally dependent about how long that drug is in your body. No one could def- refute that, right? If it's not in you, you're not getting any benefits from it. <laughs> Clearly, True, right? I think right. we can totally agree on yeah, that. Of course. Right? Yeah, if it's not there. So, by the same notion, if you take something and if it leaves your body really quickly, it's as good as not taking it as soon as it's out of your body. Okay. So, when they've done tests on, um, on turmeric. Curcumin. Curcumin. And this is where this great study comes from that I read. Um, which is from a reasonably high impact journal. A journal has got good um, good repute. This is the Journal of, of Medicinal Chemistry. Um, impact factor six point seven. Oh, geez, you know that. Yeah. Okay. So I checked it out. So wow. look, impact factors vary widely. So the top journals, to put some sort of reference points here, can have an impact factor of fifty. Um, that's crazy high, and there aren't many in that upper like in the above ten. There are not that many like journals that have. Without, but, a, without a frame of reference of this, the scale. Of I these, know it's crazy, uh, but the thing the is, numbers, it's, I have it's no idea like, what that means. When you get below like two, yeah. it gets very compact, right? So like, okay. you got a lot of like sub ones and like fractional like impact factors, and those are all your really, really like just garbage papers. If you get above two, you're starting to get into something that's probably reasonably good. Like that's 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 not a bad. That's as a, considering that's a, we're revealing. Uh, uh, literature here on yeah. Jeremy's Iron. Do we have an impact factor? Are we on the on the list? Are we on the scoreboard? Only if we get cited. Oh. So mm-hmm. the impact factor, which is the you love this because this is how we work out like how strong, how useful a journal is. Yeah. It's pretty good. So what they do is they divide the number of citations from the last. I think the number of times a paper has been quoted mm-hmm. that they publish. So a journal will publish hundreds of articles a year got it um you, you take the number of times any of those articles in combined have been quoted by other papers and divide that by the number of articles that they published and so it's a ratio of publish uh, publication okay i get it to That's nice. quotes yeah but see the it, it sets up some fairly strange incentives like i want to i might want to publish something that's complete trash and just gets you know so many people Ragging on it, essentially, right? The more, uh, they don't have to be positive. No, no, no. Do they have to be? No, it's true. It's positive true, citations, people, or is it like? No, it's any citation. But people don't generally you cite, don't cite negatives. To, no, they don't. People barely publish negatives, right? Which is a huge issue we can get into on other uh, kind of issues they, of they publication cite it in bias, their right? Or whatever, yeah. Um. Anyway, so this is a good article. It was great, and they. Do we have a name of it? Um, I feel like I feel like as a rule we should be putting sure. we should be putting our references at the bottom. So this of each is of these, um, um, the essential medicinal chemistry. Of curcumin, uh, a mini perspective published. This is written by uh, doctors Nelson and Dahlin. Um, and they, they said it's from the Journal of Medicinal Chemistry. What uh, year? Uh, this was from 2017. Fresh. Yeah. Very good. And so it was an awesome paper. And they went through essentially every reason why all the other research has been totally bunk. Interesting. Yeah. And they've said, and they argue really, really strongly that almost every single study that's been done, whether it's a cell-based study or an in-human, in vivo study, that they're all completely flawed and totally unreliable and that there have been no high-power, reliable um, experiments done with curcumin that can actually be 
trusted or interpreted in any way. Well, we've only really discussed the, the potential cancer-related effects of uh, curcumin, right? Yeah, sure. But there are a whole host of other things that apparently it's meant to be good for too, like mood disorders and, and the like. Yeah, Everything. So, so there's, there's from the Journal of Psychopharmacology from 2015, um, they found it was effective in improving cognitive function, mood um, in 60 healthy adults aged 60 to, 60 to 85. Um, so you're saying that this paper basically paints over all of that yeah. potential effect of curcumin. Yeah. So this article was, was so good, right? This, this article turned me on in so many ways because it addressed so many issues that are just so, so good about okay. science and what can go wrong so and let, what can let, go lay right it down. with science. Lay it down. What, what, right. what was in the... So one of my favorite things, right, about any of these arguments, we're talking about alternative medicine or spirituality or whatever it is, right? Some things that drive me the most crazy are the claims that don't even make sense in the first place, right? right? And now sometimes they don't make sense for really obvious reasons. Um, uh, sure, it's something you eat and some things you eat are really good for you and they can, so that one, you can't discredit right away on those grounds, right? But a good example that I, I like to think of is, you know, when friends or people I know... Flossing is helping you. No, but think of something like um, people who are into astronomy, right? Mm -hmm. um, no, sorry, astrology. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Astronomy is real. <laughs> astronomy is real. Yeah. Okay. I'm thinking of people buy into that pseudoscience of astronomy. Right. <laughs> Rocket ships and moons. <laughs> Gravity. I've never seen one. <laughs> so no, people who love astrology, right? Um, and they go on and on about like moods and behaviors and yeah, futures they can divine for you. If you do like that, Return of Saturn. Sure. Um, was that a No Doubt album? Was that the first? Was that their? That was their big album. Wasn't that Return of Saturn? Mm, not sure. Not sure. Sorry. Rusty, can we get a check on that? <laughs> okay, I'm doing that right now. I mean, Rusty's doing that right now. <laughs> um, right. So with the whole, take the there was like a reductio ad, ad absurdum, right? Which is where you take a claim or an idea, and if you like reduce it to its most ridiculous elements, you can kind of sometimes show something just doesn't make any sense at all, right? And so, for example. If you aren't able to immediately see that the time you were born would dictate your whole life, if you look a bit further, you'd start to see like, well, why would, what are the odds that every blocks of people in one month periods generally have the same moods, fortunes, yeah. and outcomes? Like it's, it's insane. And then you would start to whittle it down to people born on the same day around so the world. And you're like, I'm with you. I'm with yeah, you. But that, how does this affect the idea is that the, that there's some things when you break them down, you look at them and you go, well, there's just no reason why this should work. You almost don't even need to do any research beyond it, right? Because you can just kind of shut your brain off and go. See, this definitely, I feel like this rings true for the flossing affecting one's erectile firmness, right? Mm -hmm. This is our previous podcast yeah. on that. And that, that, there seems to be, you know, mixed evidence to suggest that might still be something. Might yeah, be true. But, we but can... how does this affect turmeric? Turmeric, to me, it, it passes the, the pub test, if you like, of it possibly being true. Yeah, right. So superficially, it, right? superficially it does. Um, but very preliminary scientific research shows that you, could, you should have discounted it decades ago from something worth researching. Mm -hmm. um, and so this paper talks about how there are categories of, of agents or new drugs that are like, you know, there's tons of new like i think what they call like you know leads you have a lead on a new agent which might be really really good for you and so you do some preliminary testing um and so the, the 
like we said before, that would be like little lab tests, like concentration checks, safety checks, does it do anything at all? One of the big checks is, does it actually survive in the human body in any meaningful way? Like, what's that half-life? How long does it stay in you for? Um, and they found that like the best results for Kirkman is about 10 minutes. That's the half-life. You're kidding. So, no. so- and mostly, I think it's generally around five minutes from the time you ingest it. So that means that five minutes after you've swallowed it, it's about half as useful as it was before. And then five minutes later, it's half as useful then. Within like what? But, but, but that's, is that to say necessarily that they can't be important effects within those five, 10 minutes, like in reduction, in reducing free radicals and that kind of thing? Like, do, do you need it in your system for that you long would to have mop up to. free radicals? That's the point. And when they do that in, in what are like doses you can actually take. So number one, um, Kirkman is not readily dissolvable in water. Have you, have you tried mixing in water? No, not it in, just kind of sits outside there. of my yeah. So it just kind of sits of there. Outside of my vivo. Yeah, so it just kind of sits there, right? Um, and if you put it, then you got to sort of change what you mix it in to try and make it more dissolvable. And unfortunately, the closer you bring it to room temperature, the less active it becomes. So yeah, it dissolves a bit better, but it's even less useful. You start to deactivate what the drug is. Um, and then if you start to change the pH of the fluid it's in, um, and the closer you bring it to what the human body has, the less active it becomes. So the more you make it like palatable for actually being useful, it becomes just constitutionally less useful. Right. Um, so it's almost like it just isn't able to be processed by the body in a way that's actually useful. Uh, and so these guys say that off the bat, if you look at this, you should basically just keep walking. And there's just nothing to do with this drug. No matter how good it is, you would need to be on like an IV drip of it all day, <laughs> just taking it to maintain a blood level that is useful. Because you need to, for something to work, you typically need to have it in your system for a period of time, right? Mm. Um, so you you presumably be needing to ingest be, it with every meal or even beyond that. Like, oh, you, be, you need to be taking it. Yeah, like Intravenously almost. You need to be, you, what you want to do is achieve some sort of like a steady date, steady state um, concentration in your blood, right? Yeah. To make sure it's active and doing something at all times. Especially if you have like, say, a cancer and you think it's going to do something, you want like a dose-dependent relationship. The more it's in contact with those cancer cells, yeah. the more it's going to do something, yeah. right? Um, so you don't want it to be there for about a minute and a half having an effect and then take it again tomorrow or something, right? Mm. So you have to be eating it all day long. Um, and these studies, while they say it's safe, this is the big like the big gotcha, I think, which is that they put it in concentrations that are not achievable in humans into the dishes, right? And they're like, it works. If we can get this dose this seems to stop cancer cells or diabetes cells or whatever, right, right, from working. But then they say, and the best part is that turmeric is totally safe because people have been eating it for hundreds of years, thousands of years. But the difference is that the dose they use to get the effect is not the dose that we know is safe. Okay. Right? So there's a false equivalence, right? They're like, this is a great drug, totally safe. People use it all the time. But we had to tweak the concentration to something that is not achievable in humans at this point in time, we don't even know what that would do in a human. Like, so are these papers that always finish up with further research is is yeah. required to to involve to effectively induce it into a human system or something like that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, this is feeding nicely into my uh, n equals one experimentation with curcumin. And let me continue. I've got more. No, no. I, I'm I'm keen to know the rest of this paper, but it's, uh, it's just so good. It's interesting hearing hearing that. 
what I'm doing is complete bullshit and any kind of results I'm experiencing <laughs> are nothing. Is, uh, nothing it's further essentially than Essentially impossible, yeah. right? So keep going. This so is good. And, then they, um, and then they talked about how there's tons of like, science is totally open to um, um, natural therapies, right? Because science and pharma are different things. Yes, some science is subsidized by pharma, but most research is by universities or whatever else and that's government funding and that's not particularly invested in any outcomes. In fact, the freer and the cheaper the intervention, they would love that, right? Mm. So um, there's been tons of money put into all this turmeric research over the last couple of decades. Uh, and this paper goes on and says that they, if you make a list of like, I think there's a database online and it's got like all of these natural therapies and everyone keeps on adding to it what the possible outcomes are, right? Like what the benefits are of this drug. And so some drugs have just like 600 possible benefits some have less you know all your old wives tales kind of you know eastern medicine kind of things um and they've when you plot like which ones have actually made it into circulation as a useful drug and been proven to be actually quite good at something the ones that have the highest matriculation from lead drug or like possible drug to actual therapy are the ones that have the lowest number of claims for what it can do Interesting. Yeah. So why is that? Because the ones that have like 800 possible claims are clearly bullshit. Okay. Because <laughs> because there is no such thing as a panacea, right? So the, a panacea for those listening is like the one drug that fixes everything. Uh-huh. Everything in your body is like a different process. So the only way something can help everything is just by making you generally healthier, right? So just eating well is like probably the best panacea you could have, like sleeping and eating well, right? Yeah. Um, Should I be suspicious then of eating well and exercise? The claims, the claims are outrageous. <laughs> Fixes everything. Exercise, they tell me. Don't do them. <laughs> Don't buy into big sleep. Uh, yeah, so so that's really interesting. So they have like the idea of, you know, something being too good to be true. Um, they actually have data to back up this claim that, something can be too good to be true. Hmm. Uh, and the more good something seems to be, the less true it probably is. And so of the top, there's like hundreds of like natural therapies on this database. And I think turmeric is the 10th from the top in terms of like the possible things it can do. And it's, uh, it's, it's, what, in, what, it's in what's hundreds. about it? Do you recall? Uh, things I'm not familiar. With. I forget what they are. I forget. Okay. But so it's number 10 out of like hundreds of options. And the ones that have had um, actual uses that we like can measure and like everyone agrees they are actually useful things. They definitely helping people. Um, and I can't remember which ones they are, for example, have like 1% of the claims as turmeric. So right away, they're like, there is a clearly there's a mathematical correlation between the claims of a, of a drug and how good it actually is. Mm. So right away, if someone's got 600 possible claims, you can basically just turn your brain off right there and just ignore it. So they say that right off the bat, if you look at basically that data, like just the claims it has and how just unfocused its targeted like mechanism of action is. Cancer colon all, that one got me. Yeah, and then everything else is not even moods and like it's just it's everything right yeah. um and then if you look at the fact that it doesn't even really stay in your body very long they said it's almost impossible for it to even do that action hmm. they just say there's really no reason to study it uh and they use a great analogy of like a like a research black hole which is 
for tiny returns. Like you get these little studies that show that yeah, it's safe and it's, we can just detect a little like a with, subtle with, improvement. In, with crazy concentrations yeah. and in a petri dish and uh, there's yeah. a subtle and we this needs and they always say this requires more research into concentrations and improving ways to get it to be yeah, yeah yeah yeah. And they're like this is just a ridiculous case of diminishing returns. Like there's so much effort being pumped into this yeah. and the returns are so crazy small and for decades it's these research articles always end with the same thing more research required to evaluate dose and you know like absorption options and whatever else to make this work and they're like guys at some point you just got to walk away because you're not getting anything out of this no matter how much money gets put into this you get like just nothing on the other end and so like, this is like just Empirically, just totally not something worth worth studying. Well, well can I tell you, my, can I yes. regale you of my experience? Um, go for it. Yeah, we'll take a break and let's go to the end of N equals one. We need, uh, we need a theme song for N equals one. I feel like this needs to be like a little sting before we do our segment. We can do that. N equals one, N equals one. I don't know. As you know... Stamp I'm a, it, sold. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know I'm the statistician here, but I, yeah. I think you can appreciate that the in terms of the hierarchy of the different kinds of uh, quality of evidence you can get yeah. from a study, you get those sort of. I think it's it's uh, what um, you can do an ecological study, you can do cross sectional, and and higher than that, you can do like a phase three randomized control trial, and then you can just do uh, a single person taking a drug and commenting <laughs> on it right highest level highest yeah, level anecdotal i think anecdotal is the top of the tree yeah. and this is because uh, you know you that's right that's right <laughs> you know you before the drug and you know you after right and who better to tell you yeah yeah that's called that's called adjusting for other variables because the more people involved in the study the more it confuses the data confusing <laughs> we call that noise that's <laughs> too the many, statisticians too many call people. that noise so, uh, in, in an effort to put this to the test, uh -huh. over the last, I'd say, two weeks, yeah. um, I've been taking these bio-curcumin tablets, tablets um, bio... Means biological. Biological. Means people. No, but it says here that it's... Um, uh, so, th these... Oh, specifically designed for effective natural relief, blah, blah, blah. Um, I won't reveal the, the, band, the brand, but it, um, it has been shown to be 20, 27 times more bioavailable than regular curcumin. Amazing. So I'm taking something which is 27 times mm -hmm. as bioavailable as curcumin. Yeah. And I've, I've been taking two of these a day for the last... Um, well, I've, I've almost finished this. So it would be over almost two weeks now. Mm -hmm. um, and what, so what dose is that? Uh, good question. It says 4,800 <laughs> 4, plus. Um, let's see. Each tablet contains 90 milligrams of curcumin. 90 milligrams? Yep. Okay, that's, that, that's, a, that's a high dose. That seems like quite a lot. Yeah. And I'm taking two of these a day. And this bottle wow. cost me, what, 30, 35 bucks for 30 tablets. So Holy smokes. Yeah. Um, and as a bit of a background, I sort of, I guess, signposted this a bit before. I, I, I deal with a lot of inflammation. Mm -hmm. um, you do. You're puffy do. right now. I'm not puffy. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> You're falling out of your, your gloves. <laughs> and um, I don't know, why are you wearing those gloves? <laughs> the, the boils I'm trying to <laughs> yeah right that's another issue you lose your manic gloves <laughs> yeah I deal with the boils next week uh, in terms of my inflammation I, I can say quite legitimately it's been great over the last couple of weeks I haven't had any issues with my face. I, 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 I know <laughs> I this is fucking so crazy much. I know I hate you I know and I want to be as skeptical and yeah. I am I am definitely 100% skeptical about this if this is some kind of placebotic 
uh, effect, I'm happy to accept that. Um, but I'll just I'll tell you as a straight fact, I've had way less. Nothing straight about this fact. <laughs> I, I used to I used to get all, like my left foot would get inflamed all yeah. the time. Um, always my left foot for whatever uh-huh. reason. I get these rashes on my feet. Yeah. Um, haven't experienced any of those in the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So look, I, I, I'm going to keep going. With, keep okay. going with it. So this is my 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 daily habit now. This is a this is a look. And I've been discussing only like cell research, right? Which is objective in its own way. Yeah. We haven't even gone into the placebo effects of of any of these crazy Eastern things, right? Um, and I don't think we have time to get into that because that's just an automatic write-off. I guess what I'm trying to <laughs> already, I guess what I I'm trying to say is that my my mind is open just just a smidgen that this could be affecting me in a positive way. And yeah. I, I think it looks. I'm skeptical about the degree to which you are actually skeptical. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no! I, my skeptical, my skepticism is real. Don't be skeptical about my skepticism. I, I, I don't believe it. <laughs> no, no, no. So that, that's what's happening with me. But I, I, I think this trial needs to continue a little further, and I'll see how it goes. The idea is, I think I'm going to try to take it down from this bioavailable curcumin um, to see if I can just have turmeric every day and see if I get the same result. No, here's what we do. Sure. What do I do? We're, we are. Um, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. When this, we're creating our study you're on, on, the, on fly. the fly, which is again something you're meant to do as part this of this is how the this is how you this is how you structure a study. Yeah. Here's what we're gonna do. Okay. This is great. When you finish that bottle, I'm gonna buy you your next bottle <laughs> I'm of curcumin like tablets. Gonna, I, I see where this is going. Right. Yeah. Um. It may or may not actually be <laughs> curcumin. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. In fact, we may have to do this over a series of a few bottles. And I won't tell you which ones are and which ones are not. And because they're different brands, you won't recognize the tablets or whether they're real or not. Well, when I swallow one and it tastes like Himalayan sea salt, I know, <laughs> I'm going to know that that's not the curcumin tablet. Will you? <laughs> Will you? Um, and then we'll know. Well, we won't know. <laughs> This is the weakest study ever, but that is more compelling, right? Come on. No, that would be more compelling. Now, I guess the one thing off the top of the bat, off the top of the show, we were discussing turmeric. And for the yeah. rest of the show, we have been focused on, focus on curcumin, right? Yeah. And I think there's an, a really important point to note, which is that um, these tablets are effectively what, it's got 90 milligrams of curcumin. Mm-hmm. So they're effectively like 95% curcumin, these tablets, yeah. right? In terms of by by weight, turmeric is about three percent curcumin. Mm-hmm. So all of this stuff, all of our like ambiguities around the effectiveness of curcumin, we have three percent of the potential of all of that in the first place when you're dealing with turmeric, right? So and that's what it's all based on, right? So for thousands of years, we're like turmeric is definitely working. It does something. We are taking in doses that now. Even the most hardcore. This is twenty-seven times the bioavailability of curcumin, which is only represented in 3% of by weight of turmeric. Yeah, so we're right. starting to like... So if we're, if we're having trouble proving that this is doing something... That's right. Tumeric, the foundation of the entire idea is insane, right? Yeah. It's something that is essentially homeopathic in the very first place, right? Mm. So we picked up some sort of a, a loose idea that people seem to think it's, it's useful. And then we've forced the point to the point where we've made this do something in tests... Look, I, that we I would, think we can hang a hat on. I think that's what I'm seeing with this. Again, I, I would be partial to the idea that someone's someone whose diet 
specifically involves turmeric with most meals. Like people from India or Sri mm-hmm. Lanka where turmeric is actually part of every meal or, or yeah. most meals. I would be sympathetic to that having some kind of effect over the course of a lifetime, right? Would you not? Maybe. But again, unless it's part of what we talked about last time, which is, is it a causation uh, correlation or is it just part of a healthy or a, a an entire diet, a way of living, right? Irrespective of the way you could test for it, which would be almost impossible. There'd be a whole lot of ecological It would make factors. more sense to me but- that it was part of a healthy diet that was contributing generally to the way someone's health was. Sure. Not as the sole agent responsible for everything. Uh, just a 3% concentrate. And think about it. They're not even eating like an entire like sprig or a root of turmeric, right? They're shaving a little bit of dried turmeric powder into their curry, right? Like, yeah. have you ever cooked with turmeric? You barely put any in. No, I know. And so when and you, 3% you actually, of that is useful. I mean, like... If you type it into Google, how much turmeric do I need to get yeah. anti-inflammatory properties? Um, it essentially, even <laughs> even Google says you need to take about four to five teaspoons mm. of turmeric a day. And this is tr- us trusting Google, right? Yeah. That's a lot of turmeric to have a day. Like I, I used to, when I was trying this whole turmeric thing, I'll put a little bit of turmeric in my like omelet in the morning, right? It turns it bright yellow, even sure. on the egg yellow, right? Yeah. But um, that there's no way you could put more than about oh, a small teaspoon of turmeric in there. Otherwise, it gets pretty turmeric-y, right? Gross. And if you're going to have five teaspoons a day to, to get some... No, it's just... No. And again, so, I'm happy for, to say this one's, this one's busted. I mean, this one's we, we, need, we, need, <laughs> we definitely need a new new line. We, I don't think we can we borrow, can't borrow from, that um, Mythbusters. No. Um, the other thing I'll mention as well, which is really... This one's jarred hard in the graveyard. You didn't grow up in Australia. No, I don't, right. I don't know what that means. That move, move on. Um, one of the other things I study this paper, and this paper goes even into clinical trials and everything else as well and says they're all bogus. But I think the most compelling thing they talk about is how from the very get-go, there's just, there's no reason why this should work. It's like that astro- uh, astrology thing, right? There's just no reason why we'd expect this to work. And so really, we can't be surprised when really what we're seeing is no real effect that we can measure. And we need to stop just obsessing over it and wishing they would work, right? Like just looking for a way to make it work for like shoehorning it into health. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a great little thing that I didn't know about either, right? So when you see all these cell studies, which is what most of the research is based on, a lot of the excitement comes from, oh, we, it stops cancer cells growing in this or does this, or it, it stops the signal of something. Like, you know, you see less of this chemical being released when you put the turmeric in the dish. Um, I thought that that's something. But apparently, with those tests, there's a certain kind of confounding uh, variable, which is some chemicals that you use, some agents you explore, um, actually ruin the test you do to detect the effect. Is this like Heisenberg's uncertainty principle? Um, or- no, it's not like, you, no, no, not, no. <laughs> <laughs> not not, in the, not, not at, all. at all in any okay. way. Mm. No, it's just like, you know, if you're going to add, if you're going to try and measure something, mm. You have an instrument or another chemical or something you use, some tool you use to measure if something does work. Um, and basically, some chemicals can't really be measured very accurately because they are very specific. And some of the chemicals they release and how they work actually invalidates and ruins the test. Some tests just get comp- confused or complicated by certain issues. And there's like a list of like 10 different ways that a, an agent that you're exploring or experimenting with 
can actually invalidate the um, the measurements that you use. And apparently, Krugman um, has like all of the hallmarks. It's got like a perfect ten <laughs> for. Wow. So they said that yeah, sure. Like you can probably put like almost any natural therapy into a petri dish and like get to kill cancer cells or get to do all kinds of things. Um, issues are yeah, the dose. Are you using a dose that's totally unrealistic? Is that dose dangerous for human cells that are not the cancer cells, right? Like, not really talked about very much. So is it a total, like, what am I talking about? Is it totally useless in that capacity? And thirdly, are you even measuring something that's real? Or has that test been invalidated by the nature of whatever you're using itself? Yeah, just to finish off, there is a a few studies that indicate some poor effects of curcumin. One being, well, it's called the dark side of Curcumin yeah. from 2009 in I the International Journal of Cancer, yeah. uh, which, like what you were saying, paraphrasing, um, it says that no human studies have been conducted to date to test the dose levels which cause um, long, which might cause long-term toxicity. Mm. Yeah. So we're talking about these dosage levels which are ridiculously high. We don't know if ingesting... So, for example, my little uh, experimentation with herbs of gold, there you go, I've revealed the, uh, the brand, uh, bio-Curcumin, who knows... What that's doing to me in the long term, I'm, I'm it totally like it's, it's like proving that I, I don't see it as that different than proving that, like you said, bleach will fix a lot of problems based on like you know the right cells and the right you create the right experiment. You can you could probably show that, yeah. And then trying to spend the next twenty years trying to work out a way to make bleach safe enough to drink, <laughs> like that yeah. is clearly not the way to make a good drug, right? Um, so it's sort of the what no. Horse leading cart leading the horse, the the peanut leading no, no I think that's right the cart, cart leading the horse the right apple, yeah yeah you apple cart upsetting the uh, horse so where's the carrot I think In we're between. done here I think we're <laughs> I think we're done this is episode two yeah that was uh, that, I think we're gonna it was a it was a journey right it was yeah. a journey of, of uh, self discovery it was a, a yellow tinged uh, jaundiced journey yeah we covered In lots spice yeah uh, spicy before we finish up. I think I might reveal something to you that uh, Return of Saturn was indeed an album. By No Doubt. The fourth studio album by American rock band That's no, right. no Doubt. Tragic Kingdom was the big one. Tragic Kingdom. The Return of Saturn was. Is that the one that had Rocksteady on it? Or is that the album? What was on Return of Saturn? <laughs> uh, ex-girlfriend. Ex-girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, six Feet on uh, Simple Kind of Life. I don't know that one. Oh, yeah. New. new. Bathwater, they're all the ones that seem to have. Would this be 2001? If you get this, I'll slap you. Released April 11, 2000. <sighs> Sorry. Close. <laughs> See you next Close. time. Do you know what we're going to do next time? I don't know. I think we'll, I uh, don't know. I don't know. Um, stay tuned. Find out. Ciao.